When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey there, I'm Grant Wall. Welcome to the Planet Football Podcast. This week's interview guest is Kashif Siddiqui, a co-founder of the organization Football for Peace and a player for Oxford United who's just about to go on loan to Rayal Kashmir, one of the dicier areas on the planet right now. It's a fascinating story that I think you'll enjoy. While we've got you, make sure to check out Planet Football TV, SI's weekly soccer video series that I co-host with Luis Miguel Echegaray. We've got interviews, debate, and thoughtful opinions on the game we love. That's Planet Football TV. Onward! Our guest today is Kashif Siddiqui, who is a fascinating story that we'll get into right now. Thanks so much for joining me, Kashif. Thanks a lot, Grant. Happy to be here. Um, it's nice to be back in New York. Yeah, we got you here in studio. You are a co-founder of Football for Peace, which you co-founded with Elias Figueroa, one of the great South American yeah. players from Chile. And you're going next week to join Real Kashmir on loan from Oxford United, where you currently play. And this is one of the most dangerous areas <laughs> out there at this point in Kashmir. So I want to get into that yeah. uh, pretty early on here. But first off, I just wanted to get a sense from you. What is football for peace? Yeah, um, it's been an interesting journey. Like you said, it was co-founded by Elias Figueroa in 2006, uh, officially launched actually by the former Secretary General Kofi Annan uh, at the United Nations. Um, football for Peace is a youth sports movement which is using the influence of football worldwide to bring awareness and resource to the most pressing issues that we're facing today. And the USP is really looking at how we can bring community impact but tag it along to diplomatic impact and make real essence of change. Um, and we're really trying to get world leaders, royal members and the football world behind this movement internationally. So you're here in New York uh, doing stuff with the UN yeah. uh, right now. Um, who has been involved in some of the Football for Peace projects over time? I mean, we've been really fortunate because obviously Elias is a FIFA legend. He's one of the greatest players of all time. Uh, 100 best players, uh, Chilean um, 
he's actually Chile's best player. Mm-hmm. Um, and that gave us a real, you know, essence of football world welcome. And it's always rolled on um, to opportunities to open to new people coming on board, etc. But I think for us, the most important thing was when the Duke of Cambridge, Prince William came on board. I co-founded the movement in 2013. And I think his blessing to the project really propelled us um, and then from there on, we've had so many South American footballers such as Pele, Ronaldinho, Alexis Sanchez, real global names get behind the movement. And I think that's really helped propel this to where it is today. And I mean, we're still a young movement, although it was launched in 2006, Football for Peace internationally. It's quite small in the sense of it's a new charity. However, I think as, as, as a movement, as a brand, Football for Peace is quite vast and we've been really fortunate to speak to the world. So next week, you go on loan to Real Kashmir, which if anyone has been following the newspapers, there's a lot happening in Kashmir these yeah. days. Could you give listeners an idea of what that is? Yeah, I think, you know, um, Kashmir has been a um, sadly a region that's been in conflict for many, many years now. I think they faced three major conflicts uh, between India and Pakistan. And um, sadly, said for me, it's it's affected the youth. It's affected generations um, culturally, both um, and from a faith-based perspective, etc. And um, it's a region that needs healing and reconciliation. And at this time, unfortunately, when things were looking actually good between India and Pakistan, um, there was just a bit of a U-turn, and things have. Um, gone a little bit bad and I think it's um, over the last couple of months where it's got to a stage where people are protesting, there's a lot of conflict again um, <clears throat> there's, there's there's an article that was removed called 360 which basically took away the autonomy of um, the Kashmiris which gave them a vote um, within their own system so it's a kind of a positive shift in the sense of for the Kashmiris to be part of India. But what is done is isolated a few people that wanted their own right. Um, and Pakistan has got involved. And the prime minister of Pakistan came over and he was very vocal about his views on the, on, on the situation. I think it's a very difficult situation for everyone. And it's easy for me to sit here and say my thoughts about it. But it's really about what the, you know, there's 11 million people that are affected by this whether it's positive or negative to them. But I think the sad thing in all of this is future generations because they don't really understand um, and they're just stuck in this. And um, from my perspective, going over there, yes, it's a football move, um, but it's, it's a lot bigger than that because I think if I can go there and make a bit of difference and give hope, provide any sort of healing and reconciliation, I think that'll be my small contribution uh, to the region. So... Uh, Kashmir is a, is a disputed territory yeah. uh, between India and Pakistan. Uh, right now, India has been asserting, trying to assert more control, and there's been unrest, as I understand it. Yeah. And even for a while recently, there has been no phone and internet service. It's been cut yeah. off yeah. in Kashmir. What's the current situation? I think gradually things are definitely improving. Uh, this week only, um, phone lines were back on internet is coming on um but again you know being isolated from the rest of the world is very very difficult especially at this time when we're so connected in the world but ironically in my opinion i still feel that we're, we're so disconnected with with the issues that we face you know around the world and misunderstanding and conflict and violence and isolation that we're that we're facing and but but for that to happen in in, in this day and age is it's um it's mind-boggling really isn't it so you played for the Pakistan national team. 
you were born in the UK? Yep, born and, and raised, yep. And uh, the idea to go on loan to Rail <laughs> Kashmir, how did that come about? So um, <clears throat> I've been injured uh, for a while. Uh, unfortunately, I was actually playing in, in, in the US and I had hip surgery in 2014. Unfortunately, it was a misdiagnosed uh, injury. And when I went for the operation, uh, they, I had a wrong nerve cut. I was out for two and a half years, but um, I work with the Professional Football Association to get back fully fit, etc. So the plan was always as soon as I get back into football, I was going to go on loan. Um, but um, the loan was supposed to be a European club or a UK club. Um, but as you know, Grant, that Indian football is growing massively and taking over. You know, it's just similar to the uh, the cricket and what they've done in the IPL. There's a lot of support, commerciality around it, and so I always thought it would be interesting to play in India. Um, so when my management actually looked at it, it was interesting because the club Rao Kashmir were just recently got promoted. And their management became very interested in me coming over. Mm. But we never thought it could be a reality. And we were actually talking to Rao Kashmir for maybe a year or so. And it's interesting that during that time when this has happened, that the paperwork and the legals have gone through and they've accepted my loan. Um, I guess life is just about timing. And I really believe that I am in, in the position where I am today for various reasons which are way, way beyond me or us. And I just feel sometimes, you know, things are meant to be. And what do you want to do beyond the soccer over there? Uh, I mean, for me personally, obviously, number one, I'm a footballer. So we want to win, um, contribute as much as I can on the pitch. And off the pitch, obviously, it's important to me to try and see how I can bring football for peace to the region. I think um, reconciliation is a major thing that the the Kashmiri youth are going to need I think what Real Kashmir FC have provided the youth in in over the last couple of years is really hope for example this um, the club brings 30 to 40,000 uh, people to the stadium and the, these youth are so excited by a match coming and other teams coming etc and is given is given that region so much more and that's a perfect example of football bringing hope and peace to the region and I think with Football for Peace, if I can bring all of my resource and network and fortunate contacts around the world to the area, to the region, I think there could be something really positive. And I think if we can bring our program, which is known to be a City for Peace program, which looks to work in the most marginalized, vulnerable communities, cities around the world, and we can make Srinagar a City for Peace, I think that would be a real legacy. And Srinagar is the city in yeah. Kashmir where you'll be, right? Yeah. Um, and given the unrest, given like basic services not being available in, in many parts of Kashmir right yeah. now, I'm so I'm slightly surprised they're able to have a functioning soccer team in the sense that they can draw people to the stadium and have games and yeah, the club sure. can travel outside of Kashmir as well. So at, at this stage, that wasn't happening. The team pre-season pre actually got, pro got prolonged. Uh, the team was training in India. Um, sorry, India and Delhi, mm -hmm. and they were moving uh, around. They have actually come back now. The team's currently there with uh, for preseason, um, so no games at this stage. Okay, they are talking to the local government on how we can basically get that passed to see how how quickly we can open. But um, I think everyone's hopeful that within the next couple of weeks that a grant will be given. Um, I think the I think the worry is for the local government is bringing thirty forty thousand people to it at a stage like this. It could be, you know, at risk for many, many things for security reasons, etc. 
So, but I'm hoping that over the next couple of weeks that will be settled. Like, it sounds like you're going to need a security detail over there. <laughs> yeah. So I think um, they have got that for me. Um, armed guard and uh, the hotel's obviously protected, etc. Um, but again, I think, you know, going over there, it, it's ironic because people ask me on what my family think of this. And it's really funny because my mum and my wife are so excited. Huh. They're excited for me to go over there and, and they think this is, this is a great thing because of everything I've believed in all my life, I'm actually now walking the walk and, and going here. And I think the other thing is with, with all the support, you know, with like yourselves and the media, etc., getting behind this, it's also propelling Football for Peace to a stage, to a real conversation because that's what I want to do. I want to bring Football for Peace at the table to have discussions with world leaders and heads of states on the power of football. Football talks to 3.5 billion people around the world. The American football stats are unreal for the Super Bowl. But actually, what does all of that mean in the, gra the grand scheme of things and, and the planet's most pressing issues? Whether it's peace and justice, conflict, terrorism, whether it's climate change, etc. What is football's contribution to this? And I really believe that Football for Peace can have that conversation and bring that and, and bridge that gap. And I think if that takes me going to Kashmir to show something that, look, the power of football, doesn't matter if you're Pakistani, Indian, British, whatever, this sport brings people together. I think that is something that's obviously most pressing for me. How did you get this sort of interest, I guess, in going way beyond just playing a sport, wanting to have this public impact? Uh, I think it's really come from my mother's journey. My mother, my mother was born in Uganda, in Africa. She came through Idi Amin's conflict. Oh, wow. um, she came over as a refugee to the UK. Uh, internally and personally, my mother had a lot of issues with family. Um, she grew up, well, I grew up as a single, uh, with a single mother. Um, and it was very tough for her. But I guess what sport did for me um, and what she did for me was really give me experiences and give me a platform to think beyond, obviously, the struggles that we faced. Um, and growing up as a South Asian footballer, as you know, Grant, there's not many South Asian footballers in the UK. I True. think I'm one of 11 that have ever been uh, signed with a professional club. Yeah. And, and actually, the stats are probably not so dissimilar in the US. I don't see many South Asian professional soccer players or not many. basketball yeah. coming through athletes. Um, so that was a real passion of trying to see how we can bring more South Asian players through or getting to sports, especially girls for me at the time. Um Women's empowerment is a huge, huge thing to my heart. It's very close to Football for Peace's DNA, obviously with Mother's Journey. And that's been the real driving factor. Um, on top of that, my faith, you know, it's for me, giving back is, it's not a um, option. It's, it's a necess necessity. So, you know, faith in God, Mother's experiences, all of that put together, I think, um, and looking at the experiences that I've had, with football being the biggest sport in the world, peace being the biggest need, it was it just all came together. And what sort of stuff with the United Nations have you been doing, including on this trip? So I was very fortunate to be invited to the 74th General Assembly just in September. Mm -hmm. um, I spoke on the power of football. Um, I was joined by Sam Ako from the NFL, Carly Lloyd, um, obviously a global superstar. She's very humble and a great girl. Um, and we spoke together on what benefits um, sport should be having or could have. Mm -hmm. um, since then, we've been developing a conversation with the United Nations on a global campaign. Um, the global campaign was actually launched by His Royal Highness the Duke of Cambridge and Meza Ozil in London. It's called Football Saves Lives. Okay. And we're now talking about how we can take this global campaign across five continents and five cities around the world and to make these cities cities for peace. 
But as part of the Cities for Peace program, we also want to host peace matches, which bring together diplomats, footballers, heads of states, faith leaders, interfaith footballers to really have symbolic activity around football, because that then makes the dialogue turn into what we need, what we what we, what we call change, I guess. And the City for Peace program for us is really trying to tap into future generations and helping them understand the benefits of interface diplomacy, children understanding it doesn't matter if you're a Muslim or a Jewish or a Christian, you know, sport for us is colorblind. Before I forget, you mentioned you played in the U.S. Where, where was that? What's your story yeah. with the U.S.? So I initially was at Arsenal growing up as a youth mm-hmm. in the U.K., went to Boston United in League Two. And then I got a scholarship to the U.S. So my first touch point was Eckerd College on the beach. Okay. Um, I then moved on to Fresno. Mm-hmm. And then I uh, signed at Fresno Fuego, which is a USL club. Mm-hmm. And then went back to the Middle East to play for, uh, uh, for a little bit in between the national team. Okay. And, yeah. um, and your, your Pakistan national team experience, when was that? So I played in the Beijing 2008 Olympic qualifiers. Mm-hmm. I then went on to represent them uh, in the South Asian Cup. Um, the I think for mem- the most memorable moment for me was playing in the Maldives oh, in wow. the South Asian Championships. <laughs> Literally, our escorts were on a boat. You know, Matt, it was unbelievable. It was a great experience. Um, nice. But yeah, it's been it's been great. I think turning off for any national team, every boy's dream to you know come out and uh, represent a national team. And for me, it was a great experience and. And I think it's helped my footballing and also my um, my cultural exchange. Speaking of cultural exchanges, you had mentioned when we first met up that you had taken Ronaldinho to Kerala in yeah. India. When was that? What was the story? That's where your wife's from, no? She's from southern India yeah, for her yeah, family, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, so the City for Peace program, it was focused on... The, the reason actually we chose um, Kerala because... Um, Cozy Cody actually is one of the most educated states mm-hmm. um, and the United Nations um, research shows that that area is leading in all aspects. Um, so we basically wanted to make that the first city for peace and use it as a role model experience for the for the rest of the country in India. Mm-hmm. Um, we chose um, a women's school. We worked with 3,000 girls to put them through the program and uh, Ronaldinho actually inaugurated it. So Ronaldinho actually played in the first peace match with Elias back in 2006. Mm-hmm. So he's always been part of the heritage. And he came out and it was unbelievable because literally we landed and we could not get off the plane. 100,000 people turned up at the airport. <laughs> to see Ronaldinho. Oh my God, it was unbelievable. Um, yeah, something that, you know, getting from the airport o- over to the hotel was a, a 10-mile ride. And literally, there were people on the streets. We could not, uh, it was, you'd have to see the videos and uh, it was an unbelievable experience. We're recording this on uh, the day of Pele's 79th birthday. Oh, uh, oh I happy, didn't happy know. Happy birthday, King. Yes. Um, and... Um, you mentioned that he's had some some connection to to what you're doing as well. Yeah, so Pele and Elias are very good friends, mm-hmm. um, personal friends, and Pele um, has always supported Elias in his journey. Obviously, Elias has supported him on his uh, in in, a, in the philanthropic space. Mm-hmm. Um, my first experience with Pele was on Easter Island. We went to um, so the, I don't know if you're aware of the Rapa Nui tribes, and there was mm. conflict on on the island and. Um, we did a peace match and to make the island an island of peace. And we work with the, the Rapa Nui king. That mm. just shows the power of football. Mm-hmm. So th- this island doesn't have radio, no television. People still walk around, probably no clothes. And they knew who Pele was. Huh. Unbelievable. 
And um, but the power of football in, in that essence is that you know we we brought the tribes together. They love football, and um, the program is actually still continuing over there. And Pele then obviously since then has supported us in the UK programs. He came over to the UK a couple of years ago and we raised funds to create four more cities for peace in the United Kingdom because in the UK we've got a whole nationwide program in trying to bring young children together from diverse backgrounds and connecting them from different faiths, cultures, socioeconomic backgrounds. And Prince William, what kind of role has he had to help you guys? So the Duke has basically supported the the City for Peace program. He's blessed it. He's um, he comes and um, every other year we basically do a graduation ceremony for all the youth leaders that we've passed through the campaign, and um, he's he's a real big believer in in sport being a healer. He is um, also launched his own initiative called Heads Up, which is really tackling mental health. Mm -hmm. And we're now looking at a strategic element on how we can basically combine mental health into the Football for Peace delivery as well. Um, and I'm curious to know what kind of player you are. Like, how would you describe yourself? Before injuries, I was a very, very um, attacking midfielder. Yeah. Um, good touches on the ball, etc. But since then, obviously, with injuries, I'm a more, more laid back now. And But, it, you know, I've been thinking about that question because I wonder what player I'll be in India. Yeah, of course. Because... Um, you know, food's different. The pitches are different. Uh, uh, a lot of there's a lot of differences, and I think away from trying to think, and that's the interesting aspect of this. Because as a as much as I'm trying to do everything off the pitch, I still have to be thinking about on the pitch. Right. And that obviously for me, even in the changing room dynamic, for the for, because in the UK the banter that we have with the guys, it's not going to be the same. These these guys have got families that have just come out of a really tough situation. Um, mothers and sisters that are affected by it very deeply. So it's for me, it's challenging in so many ways, thinking how, what is it going to be like on a land? What kind of conversation do I have with, with you know, with, with the guys? Um, we have a few boys that are from international. Our manager is from Scotland, Dave Robinson, mm. and he's got the first promotion. So it's yet to be seen of what player I'll be. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that must be exciting. And, and in the players on the team, in terms of their nationalities, what do you know about them? Very mixed, actually. They've just got another... Um, we just signed another guy from England. Um, obviously, this manager Scottish. We've got a few players from Africa. So it's very diverse in that sense. Um, but what's interesting, the owners of the two clubs... Uh, of the club, sorry. One's a Muslim and one's a Hindu. Hmm. Hindu priest. So wow. it's very interesting in, you know, football for peace yeah. and especially in that region. So, um, yeah, the whole club is very wholesome and, and it's actually one of the most followed clubs in Asia now, obviously being in Kashmir and what it's achieved. But apart from that, the success that it's had. So when it goes into play the likes of Mumbai FC, who are so well funded, Bollywood stars own it and they lose against Royal Kashmir, people are thinking what's going on here is because I... I guess from what I'm thinking is these the the t- the, the team players right now who are playing for Rakeshmir they're not only fighting as players they're also fighting for a much bigger cause right. and I think that's that's where the rest of the teams is really struggle. So how should we be able to follow you during your experience over there? What's the easiest way to do that? So I think I'm uh, I've been talking to my club about maybe doing like a blog or something and yeah. you know some video. Um, I've just actually joined social media myself. I was always trying to stay away from it, um, but I'm finally on. Um, where can we find? Where can we find you? It's I am Cash Siddiqui, okay. uh, both Instagram and uh, Twitter. So hopefully we can do more of that. And I think if all goes well, I can get the internet going and get some videos posted. <laughs> good, good. Yeah. And do you have an interest in getting football for peace to be bigger in the United States? Yeah. So. Um, We've had some very, very positive conversations with the NFL as well. They're really interested. And um, I think 
from the perspective, um, we spoke to Troy, Troy Vincent. Troy's been a former player. Um, he's very humble and, um, you know, he gave a lot of confidence in what we're trying to do. And, and he himself really understood the need for football, for peace and equality in today's times. And I think he's some someone for us who's really championing the cause. And I always believe he needs one person to champion. And I think Troy has been amazing for us. And I think if we can work with the NFL um, and real have a concept of Cities for Peace with them, uh, with social justice programs. I know they've just done a program with Rock Nation. I think Football for Peace could do various, you know, and, and have a tremendous impact throughout America. And um, I'm, I'm hoping that we could make Detroit one of our first cities for peace and even have impact in Flint because I think for me, to see what's happened in Flint is really sad. Um, and if we can have have impact there and try and bring some kind of, kind of contribution internationally and within USA, I think it could be really exciting. Well, you're going to have to come back on the show or, or our video show, one of our Sports Illustrated shows, after you're done in Kashmir, because I want to hear the story uh, <laughs> once you've experienced it. It sounds like a, an amazing journey. Yeah, I know. No, thank you. I really appreciate all the support. And um, I'm hopeful that we can come back with some really, really positive stories and um, hopefully come back with some real testimonials of the positive work we're trying to achieve. Kashif Siddiqui, thanks so much and good luck. Thank you, Grant. Thank you. Have a lovely day. Thanks for listening to the Planet Football Podcast. I'd like to thank Kashif Siddiqui as well as producer Brandon Nix and everyone at Sports Illustrated who supports this podcast. Remember to check out Planet Football TV, SI's weekly soccer video series that I co-host with Luis Miguel Echegaray. We have interviews, debate, and thoughtful opinions on the game we love. That's Planet Football TV. See you next time.